I once read that you can tell which of your coworkers and neighbors were aliens by the little mistakes they make trying to be human. Like, like what would that be? Like painting your nails with like white out or dipping your French fries in like strawberry ice cream? Yeah, like that. Or I don't know, like having weird favorite movies um, or dressing up as Santa Claus for Halloween. I was Santa Claus for Halloween. Yes, you were. Lucky number 11. You got me. Welcome, fellow Earthlings and any aliens who are secretly among us. This is our first invasion podcast, and I am not a space alien. Very convincing. Anyway, do you know what people across the galaxy love? Yes, actually. Uh, humans and dogs wearing matching t-shirts uh, featuring the X-Files, if possible. That is incredibly specific and 100% correct. I know. So people with geeky dogs should pick up this month's Loot Pets crate to go with their Loot Crate. Yeah, if they want uh, to be all X-Files matchy-matchy with their dog, they definitely should. I woof to believe. Woof indeed. Speaking of Loot Pets, let's try a new segment. The Loot Pet of the Month? Yes. Okay, Loot Pet of the Month is Queequeg, the Pomeranian star of the X-Files. He's, uh, he's named after Queequeg from the novel Moby Dick, and Scully took him in after he nibbled on a bit of his last owner's dead body. Okay, well, when you're hungry, you're hungry, you know what happens. Unfortunately, Queequeg met an untimely demise in a manner similar to his namesake. They were both eaten by creatures of the water. This creature of the water was very hungry, but... At least it wasn't actually aliens this time. Nope, just a giant alligator that shared a lake with a dinosaur creature. Scully was sad, but Mulder was uh, mostly confused about why the little dog had such a strange name. I wouldn't name my pet something so hard to say. I can barely say it, actually. Queequeg? Queequeg. I do like ridiculous names for pets, though. I just like them to be easy to pronounce. Well, you have a cat. What's your cat's name? Okay, so I didn't name her, but her full name is Esmeralda Mrs.Zuzu.com Dove Villarreal. Well, but yeah, but Esme for short. Wine.com. <laughs> so my son is a weirdo <laughs> and he just, that's, um, that's what he does. He, he names things weird things. <laughs> He's a strange boy. All right. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> what is your dog's name? Uh, well, I mean, we call him Flake, yeah. but, uh, his full name is, Snowflake Superman Christmas Matani. Um, uh-huh. I'm the only one who calls him that. <laughs> Do you... Like when you... Okay, so let's say you're in one room and the dog's in the other. Do you say the full name like a parent in a movie? Like when a kid's no, in trouble? No. Uh, I'll just say, you know, Flake or Flaky. And he'll he'll rush over. And like if I'm upset at him about something, I'll just like sternly just be like, Snowflake Superman Christmas Matani, what have you done? And he doesn't know. He has no idea. So does he? Uh, so I guess my question is: Does he recognize that as his name, or does he only recognize the little bit? Uh, I I mean I don't know because I mean he'll react mm. to the, like the flake part of snowflake. I see. Uh, and I think he knows the word Christmas. I'm like ninety percent mm. sure he knows the word Christmas. Possibly, our cat definitely knows all these different. Maybe not the Zuzu one, but um, but she'll only well you know cats don't don't always show up and call them. i feel like they don't respond to things well she sometimes she'll betray herself by like reacting to her name <laughs> and then be like gotcha because you know um if you say something different in the same tone of voice she won't her head won't turn but anyway she knows her name she just doesn't want us to know she knows her name um as far as pet pet names go i like um two kinds of names i like really tough guy names like killer or butch and i like uh like fancy goofy names like countess snuffle pups or little mr knickerbocker i i really like names like uh like mr sweaters and things like that which sound like kind of yeah. just ridiculous like a yes. little bit comical but like formal at the same time yeah me too i like uh i like cute names um, I, it weirds me out, and you know, my cat is an example. When you give it just a straight human name, I mean, I like some some animals that have like a straight human name, like uh, like dogs, especially like small dogs. There's a small dog that goes through the office that's named uh, Winston, 
And I think that's an amazing name for a dog. Yeah, but Winston's not a straight up normal human name like that you I know people named Winston. But you know like when people name their dog like Fred or Yeah, that's weird to me. Like if you name like a dog John, I'll be like, Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, that's what I don't get. Like you like, have the option to name it something insane. Right. Or colorful or yeah. whatever. And then you just yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, I just like it to be unique so that like your dog will know when you're talking to them. Yeah, exactly. And just also it's your chance like you can't unless you're famous, give your child a ridiculous name. But pets are always up for grabs. Yeah. That's true. So I, I think mean, take like, it. Take it. I mean, we named we named Flake Snowflake, or at least I named him Snowflake because his father's name was Snowball, and I was mm. like, you just you have to. How did you know? Did you where'd you? How do you know what the dog's father's name was? I guess. I mean, he came with like this whole like file and like paperwork uh, and stuff. So is your dog a fancy dog? I mean, he is like, he's a rescue, but he is like a mm. purebred rescue. Okay, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I guess someone. Or like he had someone's dog had a bunch of puppies mm-hmm. and the puppies were given to like the pound or whatever mm, okay. and then there was flake and i was like oh he doesn't have a name i'm going to name him i see yeah yeah we got our the cat from the rescue and that's where her the esme part comes from because i wouldn't have picked that so then we lengthened it to esmeralda because that sounds more regal it does yeah so that was actually our the adult in the house contribution and then the rest is my weird child um yeah i don't know what to tell you about my kid he's just he's special seems like a nice kid he's a nice kid he's just also um unique i'll say that he's unique solid yeah which is good yeah i don't i would not want a child who was um like normal (laughs) i wouldn't know what to do with a normal kid yeah that seems fair yeah let's talk about the x-files okay are you a molder or a scully so i'm not trying to dodge the question (laughs) but so i have uh, i feel like you're just gonna say you're a queequeg now (laughs) no um i have the hopes I, i wish i could be a molder i wish i could believe but I can't. That makes sense. So I'm, uh, I'm both and neither. I'm definitely more of a Scully. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. very skeptical about everything. You are. I appreciate things though. Like but I'm amused you, by things. Do you want to believe, or you don't even want to believe? Like you're just like. Pfft. Like I mean, if I saw, like a reasonable amount of evidence, like something to put me in enough doubt that I would just be like, all right, yeah. Like, that's one narrative flaw of the X-Files is that she sees a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. Like, I've only seen a few episodes of the X-Files. Like, I think I saw, like, the first six episodes ever. Yeah. She's seen enough stuff in those first six episodes to just be like, okay, aliens probably exist. Yeah. Like, weird stuff does happen. Oh, okay. Or, like, that dude who, like, can stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, just accept that weird stuff happens. Right. Even if there's only those six things there's those six things bro yeah the world is weirder than you think it is recognize that's so that's like one issue is that she's still so eh, like scully maybe she's just doing it just to annoy Mulder. i mean i would love that that would be great let's let's pretend that i mean maybe that'll happen in the new series right yeah that's the problem with um that's the hard part about writing shows (laughs) where characters can't be that dynamic because then well you know because you cast them against type or like they're one is one and one is the other so they start slowly the only way that would work is if they switched or they just bring in like a new person everyone just hates the new person for a while yeah that too yeah that'll work solid yeah so it is a new year yeah do you have a uh, a geeky New Year's resolution? Um, so here's the fun part about that. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I want to try to play more games this year. I haven't been, uh, I haven't been carving time out for that. And I'm at that age and whatever of a kid where if you don't carve time out for it, it's not going to happen. Um, and I miss it. 
because uh, I used to play games all the time. And now it's like sometimes. So that's my resolution. Play more games. I mean, I'm I'm there. It hasn't been my resolution, but I mean, like I'm yeah. starting to play a lot more games. I'm like, I'm excited about it. But my, my New Year's resolution, at least my geeky New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. is to give uh, the Sandman comic series another shot why because like it has like i love neil gaiman i mm-hmm. really do like okay. uh neverwhere is one of my favorite books all right um and i'm excited that they're going to be making american gods like as a tv show mm-hmm. but like in terms of uh like sandman yep. it has like everything on paper that like i would love like the weird like magical realism and it's got like yeah. really just I don't know how to put this, just like um, eloquent writing. Yeah, there's also a lot of literary illusion or just yeah, direct just ripping. That kind of stuff like <laughs> is like my jam. I'm like super into that. Yeah. But for some reason, yeah. I just, I've never been able to get into Sandman. Like I get mm. past like the first arc like every time. Uh-huh. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm just not, this was like a struggle to get through for some reason. Hmm. So I'm going to give it another shot. It's been like, I think, two and a half years since i've tried do you have it on hand or are you gonna have to like buy it digitally or something i'll probably borrow it from someone yeah like i've got a lot of friends who are like into it for some reason i like sandman but i haven't read it in a really long time but uh yeah so i didn't even know you didn't like have you talked about that before i don't think so yeah i was i'm surprised because you're right it does seem like something you would like so that is confusing to me yeah hmm I mean, there's there's a lot of, like, bigger comics that I'm just not into for uh, whatever reason. Well, so wait, why have you chosen Sandman as the one you're going to give another? Because it's, it's like the candy corn of comics to me. Like, every year I try candy <laughs> corn and I hate it. Oh. But I'm just thinking, like, oh, I might like it this time. <laughs> oh, no. no. Nobody in their right mind likes candy corn. So, so Sandman is my candy corn. I just I have to give it another shot. Huh. Because I, I want to like it a lot. I feel like if the the desire is there, I don't know why you don't. I just can't. I just lose interest. But what I don't believe in, though, is forcing yourself to like things. I mean, like, I, I forced myself to get through things. Like, maybe there's, like, something that I don't understand. Like, when I read Final Crisis for the first time by, mm-hmm. like, Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. I was like, Wait, you're talking this about is this like really cool like you had me issue one you lost me a little bit issue two and then i got like more and more confused because of the way kind yeah. of the way dc put it out yeah they just didn't include um like the two necessary superman beyond issues as part of the uh, yep. as part of the whole thing yeah so i didn't understand it so i kind of liked parts of it and i gave myself like another shot at it mm-hmm and this is the second time, like, I started to understand it, and I started to really like it even more. And the mm-hmm. third time I read it, it became, like, my favorite DC event of all time. Because, like, wow. once you get into, like, the layers of what Grant Morrison was writing at the time, mm-hmm. which informed, like, Final Crisis, it becomes absolutely brilliant. So I'm thinking, like, I just got to really just bury myself in Sandman for a little while. So you just feel like maybe you've been missing something? There's got to be something I'm not getting that everyone else is getting. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Because to me, Sandman's always been kind of not exactly surface, but, you know, it's kind of all there um, upon first. Re- it's there. Like, yeah. it, you don't really have to mine it for anything. Like, it's it's kind of showing all its cards. But like, it's got so many cool concepts. And, like the whole like convention yeah. for like serial killers and stuff. I was like, that's amazing. But yeah, it just didn't grab me like I wanted it to. Do you like the endless like all the brothers and sisters. I like the idea. Like so like as far as I've gotten into the series, it's always just uh dream and death. Mm, Those yeah. are the only two they present. Oh, yeah, well there's more. Yeah. I yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> there's like there's a whole bunch more. There's a bunch. Yeah. They're kind of funny. Word. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really long time, so I have very vague memories. I mostly remember the art, weirdly. It has some cool art. Yeah. But like very 90s art. Oh, yeah. It's like when I mean, 90s it's was like making like indie comics like that kind of it's a very 90s book period yeah but i mean I like so say. is preacher but i love preacher i've never read preacher oh my god it's so good why 
I mean, it's just it's it's crass and over the top in the most like, oh, I like crass. ridiculous like '90s angsty thing that um, I've ever read. But yeah. it's just it's such good character work hmm. that I'm so nervous about like the TV show. That's fair. You should be. I feel very nervous about it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to translate those things sometimes. Yeah. There's too many people with opinions when you make a TV show. I mean, there's already things like in the first trailer that I'm just like, why did you do this? Oh, really? Yeah. Like mm. they, um, there's a character named Cassidy who always mm-hmm. wears like sunglasses because mm-hmm. he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. And there's like one pivotal moment like towards the end of the series when he finally takes off his sunglasses. Yeah. But in the trailer for the show. Mm-hmm. No sunglasses. No sunglasses. Like he wears them in one shot. Uh. I'm like, why? Why would you do this? Uh, maybe they don't want people to know. It's just, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I don't. Life is tough. Yes, it is. For a comic book fan. In 2016. Today, we are really happy to have Matt Aravalo, Chief Experience Officer and Co-Founder of Loot Crate with us. Welcome! happy to be here yeah thanks for being here we thought we should start the year off right and who better to talk to than you thank you well i appreciate that so we usually ask people what brought them to loot crate but you brought loot crate to the world so can you give us the movie synopsis version of how loot crate started (coughs) it's not very glamorous you know uh so startup weekend in 2012 which is a weekend where entrepreneurs all come together into one space Mm -hmm. And some people are marketers, some people are uh, more on the finance side, some people are designers, some people are programmers. And uh, that's where Chris Davis, who's our CEO and my co-founder, came there with the intention of forming a team for a competition that that would be a 54-hour competition over a weekend. The idea is you collaborate, build the best kind of like minimum viable product that you can, and then present to a, a series of judges and they say, oh, hey, you know, they give you critiques and everything. And at the end of the day, um, on Sunday, you get either first place, second place, third place, or didn't place. And uh, he had this idea. He's, you know, his, one of his, uh, call, one of his uh, contacts had a subscription box. His brother was uh, and still is a YouTuber. And he had a company that was doing uh, energy food for gamers as well. So he kind of knew this space and everything, and he had a background in finance and everything, but he needed to get a team together. So I sat down that day with a group of some other people, and that day we you know, created the Facebook page, all the Twitter, the copy, the website, and started taking subscriptions pretty much by mid-Saturday. And then fast forward to Sunday, (laughs) fast forward to Sunday where we didn't win first place, second place, or third. We were kind of like unofficially fourth, I think, when we talked to one of the the judges. But we were the only company that when we had to do our like two minute really quick, like, what is Loot Crate all about? We were the only company to be able to point to a slide. And not that this was the important part of creating the company, but it was at least a, a, a data point for success was we already have subscribers. Like we've made... $1,500 $1,500 or something. You know, we've convinced some people who, when we didn't exist two days ago, to buy into the idea of a subscription service for geeks and gamers that was a subscription box. And my job that whole weekend was to kind of pull everybody together, work with work with the other four or five folks that were there. Um, but more importantly, just kind of like create what that tone, that community, what, what it all looked like. And so that, that's kind of how it happened. Nice. Has now anything happened to the other companies that no beat you <laughs> no i think the first place company went to dubai and was able to like kind of like meet some vcs there and it was mm-hmm. more kind of like a tr- I, I didn't really follow it the second place was a set of steak knives and they actually had a set of steak knives there that's amazing yeah it's <laughs> <Kinda laughs> like here's our idea of these knives yes. right um i don't remember third place but what was nice is that one of the judges there um, was kind of a well-known entrepreneur. He had created some some companies that had sold to Microsoft and some others. Um, and his business partner, they both kind of started advising us early on. And we were able to actually work out of their space for a brief period of time in Melrose. Nice. And so that's kind of... Yeah. But it was, it was crazy, you know. We went from packing the back of the cars and hand-folding the boxes and stamping them and having to go through like a doorway to get 
you know, hundreds of boxes out to a semi truck trying to get into the alley to kind of get a lift gate in there and everything to what we have now, which is, you know, I think they posted a photo on, on our chat system recently where it was like we had all 18 docks and like 15 of them were full with 50 foot FedEx trailers that were just getting ready to pick everything up for our subscribers. The warehouse is a very impressive place. Yeah. And we, we've talked to Kwa before. He's a very interesting man. <laughs> a lot of people here are very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Loot Crate has, like, just since the time we've been here, which has been, like, about, like, 10 months now, yep. I think, yep. has changed, like, pretty dramatically. Um, what surprised you the most about Loot Crate's, like, evolution? I don't think that I expected us to be at the stage where we're at from a structure, from, like, a a company structure sense in this period of time. You know, not that I thought that Chris and I and the rest of the team would still be on folding tables and like, you know, still kind of like trying to, you know, we, we haven't really made it yet. Cause I think we've made it in a lot of people's minds, especially when you consider we built it from the ground up. It wasn't like some company that was like, that's a great idea. Here's millions and millions of dollars. And like, that's how you're going to get all your subscribers. Like we did it by organically kind of creating the, the place for people to kind of, join the community and become part of this. No, I mean, I, I've, I've been part of larger companies in the past and it's, it's still, it just surprises me that we have dedicated departments and divisions that can focus all their attention on one thing, you know, because it was so much in the past when it was year one was less than 10 people. Year two was less than 50, I think. And now we're at year three where we're almost at 300 employees early on. It was like, you had to do everything. You had to be the one monitoring social, but then you also had to be helping out writing the copy for the email. And then you also had to like work with the guy who was doing design for the website and ask him to help out making images for the email. And now we have folks who like, that's what they do. You know, they're not just doing like one very simple thing, but they're doing some, they're doing a a variety of things and they're dedicated completely to that. And so uh, to be at the amount of people that we have now is, is surprising. I mean, it's not as kind of, it's not as fun as like, oh, we're in like all these countries now or, you know, how the community has grown. But I, from a business perspective, which is probably a little dry for this podcast. Oh, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that we're at that, at that point, right? Where we can have entire, you know, and we don't really, it's not really public knowledge. Like we don't, we still share and we're still very transparent, but we don't, you know, shout at the, at the, from the rooftop, like, we have an entire division dedicated just to like focus groups and service design, or we have an interactive and mobile team in house at Loot Crate because those things just aren't really interesting to most of our community. At least, you know, fundamentally, they just want to interact and have the experience. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's enough people here that I just don't know what so many people do. <laughs> yeah, it's astonishing how many yeah. people have just since we've been here. Yeah. Well, even in the past, I think, I don't know the exact numbers, but I think in the past 60 days or something, we've had like 50 people join. So, you know, it, it's that not just... explains why I don't know people's names. Yeah, it's not yeah. just a matter of just yeah, like, oh, yeah. like five people joined this month and mm-hmm. 10, and you know, for a while there, we were like, here's the 12 people starting Monday, and then there's eight people starting the next Monday, and then there's five people starting the Monday after that. So, yeah. So what do you think makes Loot Crate as a company and a product different from other companies and products like what sets us apart companies and products that are kind of in this space now that are creating these kind of subscription boxes or more just in general i think just in general like <coughs> i don't think we need to compare ourselves just to subscription well we we don't you know every business is going to have to bring in at some point some kind of outside advisement and investment to be able to continue to succeed unless it's, you know, if, especially when you're doing product, right? If you're doing like a, some sort of app or something and it's generating revenue and it's relatively low overhead to do an app, then you can probably generate a tremendous amount of income and be able to have a great, and therefore be able to take that money and create a really great experience for your, your end customer. We deal with product. I mean, we deal with corrugate and, mm-hmm. you know, forklifts and everything. So... I think because we were able to scale from, you know, you mentioned Qua, I mean, he never managed a warehouse, a 125,000 square foot warehouse and OSHA regulations and, you know, pack and pick machines and everything. But because we came from that, one, we learned how to do more with less. We learned how to kind of like really stretch our time and really stretch our dollars and be disciplined about it instead of like, here's all this beautiful equipment and then, you know, make 
awesome stuff with it, you know. So we so we had to be creative and and hardworking. And I think a lot of companies that are in this space and in companies in general, like it's it's not a lot of startups that have that kind of uh, beginning opening scenario, first kind of chapters of, of the company. And then, you know, I also think we we created and adapted the product completely for our audience because we didn't have to serve early on any other interests. And to this day, like we aren't, we don't compromise the items that are in the boxes based off of a company coming to us and saying, we want to be in the box. Here's how we're going to make it attractive for you. Put it in the box. We go, I mean, we do get inbound interest, but most of the time it's, these are the things that are happening in entertainment and gaming. We want to celebrate that and do something special about it we go to the companies and so it's it's all on our terms and in a sense we are giving the community of looters a voice that they normally would not have and i think that's something really interesting where you know in such a short period of time you're working with a customer base that all of a sudden has a voice that they didn't have before it's not what's going to sell at the end of an end cap at a toys r us or at a comic book shop like what you know who knew who and how did it get like placed on the rack and all that kind of stuff the items that we have in there and the relationships that we have are because our community demanded and wanted those franchises and those items obviously sometimes we pick stuff ourselves and test it and we get feedback but we adjust and i think by giving a voice to that community and by being open to what that means you know without saying you have to be this type of gamer or this type of geek to be part of it i think that that kind of gave us that that advantage well, I mean, looters probably want to know what's what's your favorite geeky thing. When I first started at Lucre, I didn't really dabble a lot in kind of collector culture. You know, I wasn't one who you that know that is I, that is shocking yeah, considering what? your office. Yeah, <laughs> your office Seriously. is like geek mecca. Yeah, I mean, when I was wow. growing up, when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't a kid who was interested in you know, drama or music or anything. Yeah, I was like geeking out over Transformers and Mask and, you know, mm-hmm. E.T. and wrestling and, you know, all the, all the kind of stuff that like when you think about it, especially here at Loot Crate, you're like, oh, yeah, like all of us did that. But it's like, well, there are huge groups of people who like that wasn't their they had toys. Sure. But they they weren't like, I have to have them all. I have to do this stuff. I wasn't really a huge collector, but I was really appreciative of that. I've always liked science fiction, like Asimov and, and um, Bradbury and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I read when I was a kid. Um, and so my interest was more on kind of just sci-fi, tech. You know, I kind of went into the technology industry when I was younger, and that was kind of what I did as a kid. I was like the newspaper editor at school, and I was like the guy who fixed all the computers, you know, uh, the family and everything, and then kind of scaled that into a whole consulting business. But it was more on the tech side. And so my interactions were like, yeah, I'd go to E3 and Comic-Con, but it's because I was there helping companies who were trying to establish a presence and they needed my help from a infrastructure setup. And so I'd geek out over certain things, but I, was, I would never get really deep in anything. And I think that's true now. I mean, I love Akbar stuff. Like I kind of like collect Akbar stuff, but I don't have an Admiral Akbar tattoo on my body or... You're wearing an Akbar shirt right yeah, now. Well, currently. I've never worn this shirt before. I had to wear, <laughs> I had to wear it because of Star Wars today. Um, but I couldn't tell you like, oh, did you know that he's like this year, yeah, this many years old? And the Mon Calamari, you know, like their ships are usually this many meters. I mean, I don't, I don't have that kind of in-depth knowledge. I just kind of wanted to pick a character that I thought was like, it's really interesting that like they make Luke Skywalker figures but they also make admiral akbar figures you know like here's this character who really didn't have much of a presence in the films and yet he is just merchandised into really cool stuff so i figured you can go to my office instead of seeing a bunch of r2d2 stuff which is right. like hey, everybody can get like oh here's his r2d2 collection people will be like oh yeah okay cool whatever r2d2 but to see all this akbar stuff that i actually am interested in i think was part of the reason as well I didn't collect it because of, for what I thought people's reaction would be, but I didn't want to just collect stuff that was super heavily merchandised. That's all. Do you know how many items are in your Akbar collection? I have the largest Akbar collection this side of the Mississippi. No, I don't know. Probably, <laughs> probably like fifty or sixty. I mean, like literally everything, like the Scholastic bookmarks that they did, like in the eighties. I have like a rubber stamp from even when it was like Lucas Films in San Francisco, where like they found some 
Bay Area company to make a series of character shaped stamps like way before it ever went into kind of mm-hmm. any heavy merchandising and then plush and chargers and artwork and all that kind of stuff figures and yeah that stuff and then I consider myself kind of though more of a of a gamer than a geek I think too like play, like I, I I'm more more likely to be found playing Fallout 4 than reading comics and I'm more likely to be found getting really excited about getting a first look at something at E3 than the first like you know two minutes of footage from this you know epic film kind of thing so that's kind of how I, I look at it on that, I'm, just, on that I'm currently combining those two interests like I just got back into gaming now because I just got a PS4 and I'm like I love reading comics so right now I'm playing through Arkham Knight yeah and I'm just like, oh, this is from the comics, and this is from the comics, and I love did all you, the Easter did you, eggs. Did you see the Bad Bat yet? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was shocking to me. Yeah, because I tried to avoid all the spoilers before mm-hmm. I started playing. Yeah, and you just like you grapple up a building, and then suddenly there's just Man Bat's <laughs> face, and I was like, why? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> is it like a jump scare? I yeah, it, it is. Oh. Yeah, because you're you're using your grapple you're using your grapple to go from building to building, and it's like a random event. And I think it only happens. I've only seen it once. Yeah, maybe it, it happens, happens like the first time I think that you you encounter him. Yeah, and he just like That's just great. jumps out. You're like, oh man, bat! There he is. You know. Apparently, he does it again if you play on Halloween. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. he'll like escape again, and you have to find him, <laughs> and he just funny. does that. That's a cool event. Yeah, so I'm excited. I, I'm starting to get more into it. I mean, we we've obviously included comic books in the loot crate, and that's led me to to you know fall in love with certain artists and certain writers. Um, and kind of be excited about like, oh, that guy also wrote that. and Oh, that's the illustrator. You know, that's the guy who's doing that. I mean, I did read like The Walking Dead, not because it was cool to like go back and read the trades. Like I just kind of came across it and was like, this is cool. And then they made a TV show out of it. So and Watchmen and some of the um, some of the Frank Miller stuff and everything like, you know, I, I, had, I had come across those kind of but I was more of like a trade paperback like, oh, I'd walk into a comic book store and I'd be like, what is the essential thing I need to read if I like this? And they're like, oh, you got to get this set. In fact, we have one on the, the that Batman set of like the Court of Owls and everything. Like that was one that I just bought at a comic book store and like read through all of them. It was like, great, I need to read anything he does. But now we have the fortune to be able to like speak one-on-one with some of these guys and do interviews and, and meet them at events and everything. And it's, it's, it's kind of opened up another world. I'm really, it's like, it's me as a looter kind of getting more of that exposure the same way that we hope that by including some of the stuff that people might not be like super deep into get gets exposure to like the attack on titan manga that we put in there before the u.s debut of the of the franchise and everything um kind of opened people up and like has been kind of something that's interesting we've been able to to uh kind of introduce i'm impatiently waiting for season two yeah since the end of season one is just so weird we know a couple of voice act the U.S. voice actors. We should have them in. I'm just like I'm refusing to read the manga to find out what's going on. I'm just like I have to wait to see it. You're a no spoilers guy. <clears throat> I'm not like a huge no spoilers guy, but I just want to experience the insanity of Attack on Titan just fresh. I see. What do you think about the live action stuff? I've just seen the trailers and I'm like, this is super weird. It's this I mean, so but weird. it's it's pretty true to the material as far as like the the visual presentation. Like you yeah. know, you you see it on the page and you're just like, Oh my god, that guy just like stepped on on like those mm-hmm. ten people but then you see it visually as with the VFX, you're like, Wow, that yeah, I didn't Yeah, it's way more graphic. Not ready to see that. <laughs> the best part was people who were confused who totally skipped past the first page and said, like, you have to read this like in this direction versus this direction for the manga. And literally, it has like a giant stop sign. It's like stop. Like this is a special type of, of, of book that has to be read this way. I will admit right now, I also didn't know for like the first five minutes until I was like, this, this is really not making that much sense. That not only do you have to read it backwards, but the, you have to read the panels, yeah, right to I left. I still can't get used to it. It's that. hard. Yeah. I, I sat down yeah. and I was like, I'm not sure if I'm just not like not grasping like how these characters are supposed to be reacting are they do they read minds like how is that guy knowing what he, and i'm like oh got it not just turning the pages that way you have to read everything that way too so is there a whole market of of mongo to where it's the same artwork and everything but they've actually stylized it so that it's there should be because that sounds like already. a perversion you should not do it but 
I'm just curious if someone has done that before. I'm sure there must be, yeah. I bet they have. It's called like easy manga or something like that. (laughs) That's the only manga I would read. That's Really? Yeah. Well, if it hasn't existed, you can take that one. (laughs) That can be your empire. That can be my empire. Well, I mean, I still need to stay here and write copy. Yeah, it could be your Moonlight gig. We have people here who shoot independent direct and create independent film on the side or yes our producer has not slept in three days (laughs) yeah yes i wasn't sure if it was a human (laughs) raccoon in the corner snoozing or like an actual human person so we've talked a lot about the past of loot crate but what are you excited most excited about for the future that you can talk about that i can talk about well you know it's taken us three years about in order for us to launch a new total kind of experience which is loot anime you know we now also have loot pets but loot anime the reason why it took us that long was we wanted to make sure we did it right we wanted to not trivialize the anime audience and fans we didn't want to uh, make it seem like it was just a loot crate but with anime items in there it had to have its own identity and everything i think we've done that with people haven't well probably by the time this goes up people will have the pets crate and they'll kind of see that it is well, we have like linked it back to the main core experience that you can get with the with with the main loot crate. It can exist still, like independently. Yeah, yeah, it still has its own identity. the The magazine is awesome and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm excited for the things that we that we're ideating around now and that we know that we're going to launch. You know, early in 2016. You know, things that working on that stuff now. I can tell looters yeah. like it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And, and and I think it's going to have that same kind of care, right? You know, yeah. except now we get to do a retrospective, excuse me. Now we get to do a retrospective and look at like the reaction to anime and so far kind it of, seems like really positive. It, it just does. sold out. So yeah. the yes, second, the second month just sold out. So, I mean, but it, so there's like the nuts and bolts, like, Oh, this is how many maybe we should do of these other new things based off of how fast anime sold out, even though again, it's going to be a totally different market. Um, so there's all that kind of nuts and bolts, like what kind of marketing we do to lead up to it. Can we replicate some of that stuff for the new thing? Um, but then there's just also just feedback, you know, like, what do you think, you know, is, is it too different than, than what you've used to in the past as far as an experience and, or is it, or, or do we take the best of what Loot Crate represents and bring it somewhere new? And, and it looks like, and our goal is to have it be that, that, that the latter, you know, and the the idea is for Loot Crate to continue to evolve to be a company that is now producing more content and producing content that is based off of what our looters want to see. We're not necessarily interested in like breaking news or, you know, things like that, but we we think that we can start having our own perspective and creating more of an identity of like what what does a looter really want to see and, and experience um, through their eyes and how can we present it to them. Um but the core things that Loot Crate is all about, when you see loot anime and loot pets, we want to make sure that we are continuing to evolve and enhance things that, that are similar across all of those, right? Which is, you should know that you're going to get outstanding customer support. You should know that you know, you're know you going to have you know a quality of items that you can come to expect. You should know that your feedback and the survey results that you do, like, lead directly to the decisions that we make as far as what to put in there you should know what you know if we're at an event what that experience is going to be like you know what type of um what type of uh how we present things and and all that kind of stuff all of those things are the core things that are all will always be there just with these with these new business units so we will have announcements right out of the gate in uh starting in january to where we'll talk about some and they're big big things and and again, uh, we wouldn't be able to do it without obviously the support of our subscribers. That's really important for, for people to kind of understand is that like by subscribing to Loot Crate, you are powering things to happen, and you are and because we are so receptive to feedback, um, you basically are creating the service yourself, which I think is not the case for a lot of like subscriptions. I mean, sure they might be like analytics it's like based off of viewing patterns and what people like look at most or what they engage with most yeah. they might actually like change the content around right but for the most part there's other factors in place right there's mm-hmm. other other things that are there yep. um even like look at howard stern right you know he just signed another five-year deal with sirius and he has a lot to say about how 
the next five years are going to go and what his content's going to look like and everything. And those subscribers who are spe- who are paying millions and millions and millions of dollars a month to support Howard Stern, sure, he's all about the fans, but it's really also just kind of him and his crew and Sirius XM and what they think this content people would like because he's just that big of a personality. We don't ever want to get to that point where we're like, we're Loot Crate. We know what you want, and here's what it is. You know, we want to make sure that we still maintain that. And I think the changes that we're making in the way that we're expanding, we're expanding in the right way. We're bringing on partners who understand that. The reason why we've been able to work so closely with uh, partners like Disney and Activision and Naughty Dog and Bethesda and Lionsgate and the laundry list of people that we we have to work with to do what we do is because they get that we are all about that fan experience, you know. We are we're not we're not serving another master. We're 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 doing something and building something specifically for the community. Uh, well, we'll talking about like uh, past crates for a second. What's your favorite item in a past crate, or if there's just been like too many at this point? And that's the easy answer, right? It's like that's there's the easy oh I I well first there was two. There was one that that it, that was true for a while, which was I don't think we've yet created my favorite. Every time a new crate comes out, it's I have a new favorite. That's a little bit of a cop out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also a cop-out to be like, they were all great because we know, I mean, I I can't sit here and honestly tell you that we are so receptive to feedback and everything and that we sometimes try things out and then say, we loved every item because there are things that that are in the crates that I don't particularly, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. But I then learn more about it. I give it to a friend. I experience it in that fashion. I think they're getting better and better. I think I think that for a while there we were we were kind of trying some new things out, and but I think we're we're hitting our stride with like the amount of items, the value, what you really get for that amount. Um, so it is kind of true that I believe that like the perfect item, like the item that I would like fall in love with the most, has yet to be made because we're just continuing to progress to that. Um, man. There's just so much stuff. Yeah. Like I've literally seen every yeah. single item in there from when we first like would do like a pack of like energy gum, you know, three years ago that I was still like, oh, it's like caffeinated gum. Like this is cool. It's called pone <laughs> gum. And like this is amazing to like the Mario energy drink, which we, you know, doing energy drinks now with how we ship in all the countries would be tough. But like I drank like 60 of them when we when we had them there. And that was like one third of what we bought, <laughs> you know, I, uh <laughs> Man, I don't know. Um, probably, I, I think it's an item that's coming in January, to be fair. Yeah. Because sometimes you get to work with franchises that you are like a huge fan of. And while it's definitely a, a absolutely collaborative environment here and everything, yep. but I do have a voice sometimes to where I can like talk to one of our partners or you know, pitch in a meeting and be like, what about this? And then like people kind of get excited about it and everything. And I can never say like, that's my item. I made that because it gets refined and the manufacturer makes it everything. But there's something coming in January that I think just from a whole perspective of like how it can be used, what franchise it's tied to, the kind of excitement you'll get when you see it and everything that, I like immediately when I knew there were samples here, I like rushed over. I was like, I got to see it. What does it look like? Because it's just a unique take on something. And so, yeah. I'll post about it. I know what you're talking about. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) It's not like my favorite franchise either, but it's just like there's something about it. Like knowing that Mm -hmm. looters will will potentially be able to use it all the time. Yep. And it shows that like we're not just, while we do our, while we do, things that are in line with like major releases here's something that wasn't necessarily this blockbuster but it was like a cult favorite Mm -hmm. but we don't but we're not doing it because we're like oh it's a cult favorite like that's not the only reason we're doing it because we also think it fits the theme it's something you want to get at the beginning of the year it's really useful that kind of thing and and if and it's also one of those things where even if you're not a fan of it you can use it and it's one of those things where if you're not a fan of it if you know someone who's a fan of it, you're going to like blow their mind when you yeah. give it to them. And I think that's, that's, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but that's kind of what we look at when it comes to products. And I, I don't think we, we really talk a lot about that publicly, which is it's not about who's paying us to put it in there. It's not people who give us stuff for free because at almost half a million subscribers, there's no company out there who's like, you know, 
willing to just back a truck up and say, Hey, here's this free stuff. We just want to promote it. Even if they, even as strong as our marketing and, and, you know, reaching that community would be, it's, you know, is it exclusive or first to market or rare, you know, so that people have that sense of like, you know, I'm getting something that I just couldn't get anywhere else. Is it useful? You know, is it something necessary? And they're not going to fit all these things, but is it something that like you can actually use and, you know, get a sense of like that community and that loot crate feeling when you're using it every day. And that could be a, a shirt, you know, or it could be, you know, like the Batman multi-tool or the Sonic Spork, you know, those kind of things are like useful and interesting. And, and, and every day. And, uh, and all three of those were exclusive, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And then is it something that you don't necessarily need to be a super fan of that franchise to think it's interesting? So that mm-hmm. could be like the supernatural car, right? You know, like to f- people who know supernatural, that car was like, that's it. That's the car they drive around in. The fact that we did like a license plate that was exclusive, that was based off a flashback episode, you know, makes it that thing you can't get anywhere else. But then it's just this really cool, like just collectible car. And even if you're just like, oh, the cars aren't really that great. We had all these other items in there. And to a supernatural fan, if you were to gift that, you'd make their day. So that's that's kind of what we look at, you know, is it does it does it fit the criteria of that stuff? And and obviously is it something we've never done before, right? So and and I, we still haven't tapped that even after putting five to six items in every single month for multiple years, we still haven't yet tapped. We've done every item that there is of anything like that out there. So I think that's still exciting. Yeah, I agree. So this is a completely, totally changing direction. But good, good. I mean, not, that, not, that, <laughs> not that the direction was bad, but no, yeah. I like, I like, like changing up. How do you think 15-year-old you would react to current you? Well, let me tell you a very, very long story about 15-year-old me. No. Um, (laughs) 15-year-old me probably would be really surprised at where the world is as far as, like, the ability for people to become like part of a community and how easy it is to communicate with people. Like 15 year old me was, Mm -hmm. and I'll date myself. I don't care. 15 year old me was like 95. So this was before most people use web browsers. This was before Mozilla and before people even had like a lot of people had personal computers in their homes. Sure. But like it was, if your dad like worked in the industry or something like that, but most people did not have a computer. But for me, I was messing around with phones and dialing up on BBSs and like starting that community, you know, having a gaming handle or, or an online handle and always thought like, okay, I'm going to get into technology. I'm going to do consulting and everything. And that's what was your online handle. Was it embarrassing? No, it was the one that I still use today, which is hyphenated, which is H Y P H E N eight D. And it was at the time was because I thought it was kind of uh, clever because it was like, I didn't have any one thing that I was really that interested in. I was like, oh, like I really like this and this and this. So I was like, oh, well, I'm like, you know, there's a hyphen this, you know, in between it. And so, and no one else had it. So um, it's what I use as a gamer tag now. But uh, at that point at, at 15, like I had no idea, like Twitter and Facebook and these kind of things where I can like instantly reach out and find people who I've lost connection with or, somebody around the world who has the same interests that I do that I would never have the opportunity to communicate with. I think that's surprising. I think I was always, you know, again, I was like into sci-fi and like, Oh, look, telepresence and beaming things around. And like, I knew that we'd be have like really crazy technology, but I never thought for a minute that it would be like this. Like, you know, if I was a 15 year old me would, let's say 15 year old me walked into loot crate right now he would just think this is like the greatest like this is like this is awesome like look at all these people creating things and all this cool stuff and everything but wouldn't be able to comprehend that like the way that a company like this could be where it's at in less than five years would it would be possible you know i don't and i also don't think our company would have i think we were a lot of it was good was timing right it was right when the marvel mcu and like everybody was like starting to get in it was like okay to come out of your shell and say like i like superheroes you know it's okay to come out of your shell and be like i'm a big video game aficionado and i'm not saying that started happening three years ago because that's a little you know myopic you know but really i think it was the right time when i when i was at other companies we'd have whole rooms full of like email servers and stuff like that now we use google apps which is kind of bad when google apps goes down but like 
we have how many people here? Like over 150, and like we have a closet with like some backups and power stuff and everything, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it was the right time. I think like if Loot Crate had been around in like the early 2000s or you know something like that, yeah, it would be totally different. I mean, the idea of even even like an on, even like getting people to be cool with using an online chat system like we use to communicate, yeah, people would still be with the Blackberries and like, oh, I sent a text over to you know I. I Send an email over to Ash and ask them for the stuff. And it, yeah, it would just be totally different. So it's kind of a weird answer to that one, but it's what it is. I like it. No, I thought it was a fair answer. Yeah. Uh, getting into invasion, which is our theme this month. Yes. Um, what is your favorite invasion related like franchise or series? X-Files for sure. X-Files? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it hit all the beats. It was like, it was that show that I watched with uh, my friends and it was like the first thing that like. You know, now it seems so trivial to be like, man, did you see like Jessica Jones? Like, oh, yeah. And like to kind of like really geek out about it with people just because of how accessible things are. But I think it was a really bold. Obviously, there's been sci-fi like that in the past Mm -hmm. over the decades. But I think it was a bold move to have a show like that on prime time, time, you know, without the fear that you might alienate um, (laughs) audiences. Yeah. Yeah. so uh and it was just interesting to see that dynamic like it didn't it didn't focus on i'm not going to go on a whole tangent on x-files but it didn't focus on like you know gags and and huge special effects and everything like that it was just like good storytelling and that monster of the week type of element was really cool and so we're, we're i say we because there's a lot of us who are working on this like we're really happy that um the x-files is coming back for you know the the engagement that it's doing and i've seen the first episode and so some of us here and we're really excited about it and i think um that's something that that i really love and i'm interested in cool. yeah yeah so this is a kind of stupid question but so thinking about the different ways that people react to aliens appearing overhead in independence day right would you be excited and welcoming like the people with the signs on top of the Capitol? The building? The, the woman who went on the top of the yeah. <laughs> of the library building and was like, "Take me." Yes. <laughs> or would you be suspicious and defensive like Jeff Goldblum's character? At this, at the, at, if it happened right now, yeah. like let's just say we're in the middle of this podcast and somebody opens the door and it's just like, "You're not going to leave this," but like this is not a hoax or anything like like you need to go online like there are like these giant Mm -hmm. ships that are over la and they're like beaming people up um being the the new father of like a three-month-old i would just go into like complete like lockdown mode i would say i love all you guys you know everything's great i would go and get my wife and get in my car and as safely as possible just like get my son and start making plans for like any kind of random scenario Mar- what happens if like they declare martial law what happens if like the national guard starts shutting down like f- like phone lines like all this kind of stuff and I, that it wouldn't be this like yeah like let's go get some <laughs> photos I, let me get a snapchat of like you know some guy being you know beamed up with a blue ray of light like nope 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 i would just be like i've i've got some emergency supplies already you know because we're in la and yeah. Never know when the next big earthquake's gonna happen, or we never know when you know some kind of crazy thing's gonna happen. So I'm not like a prepper, but I definitely have plans and escape routes. And I'll definitely just be sitting on the roof, just like <laughs> staring at like the ships, not like freaking out. Just be like, it would just, oh, yeah, bl- it would, it would just blow your mind. I would just be like, I gotta check this out. <laughs> I don't want to experience this through a screen. I just yeah, want to look at this. I'd have to look. I mean, I might look like through the you know the sunroof of the car as i'm driving down the 110 to like yeah. be like as i'm going to like pick up my kid from daycare i'm like oh yeah. no i don't know but who knows i mean it's one of those things where like you can joke about it you can see what like characters do in movies and everything but until it happens like you know it's probably going to be a pretty a, like from a spiritual thing you know people might just like completely just lose it and oh, just yeah, be like shut down <laughs> they, they would just be yeah. i think there would just be people walking out of their houses and just staring you know, for sure. which is kind of what happened in Independence Day. I think remember when uh, it was uh, where Will Smith was living and there was like people who were like just outside their houses yeah. And, yeah. and his son was just like, look, look, you know. And, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, I'm really excited that they're doing another movie. I like yeah. the trailer. I'm, I'm really I'm excited. I'm not trying to. I, I, I saw X-Files early, but uh, I'm, I'm trying not to do this often. But just as a as a as a point of data. 
I saw some early stuff before the trailer came out where they were kind of like trying to sell us on, you know, we were, had a meeting with Fox and they're like, look, here's all the stuff we have coming out. And they wanted to kind of get us excited about it. So they even showed us like some pre-visualizations of like how mass, and I can talk about it now, how massive the ships are. And they kept talking about how like that first movie, those were the construction workers. Those were the guys who were like coming to earth to mm-hmm. just kind of like, scope things out and they've got like the one big ship and the little ships come out and they're just kind of like seeing what's going on and everything and then when they decide okay like they're now the they've, they've gone from construction workers to exterminators that's great in this next film it's this it's like it is on it is like you guys have pissed us off and what you saw in the movie is going to be on a whole other new scale in the new one and you've seen it in the trailer like there's like i think there's one shot that just shows like the scale of like a landing like ship leg that's like the size of Silver Lake, and it's just like landed down, right? Um, it's pretty. It's pretty intense. I'm excited about it. It's one of those movies just, where I'm like I'm not you... worried about the fate of humanity, though. Yeah. Like if we took them down with like a computer virus, like the first time, like a '90s computer virus, yeah. I think that we was... can handle them. This Do you think time. they paid for that product placement? Apple? I really hope so. I don't think they did. No, I don't think it so. was just like that was the cool computer to use. Yeah. Like of course you'd have a, a you yeah. know a, a, yes. a Mac laptop. I mean, that used to be the Apple's whole thing, you know, just being like an individual. I hope they don't lose that. I hope they don't like those moments where like they've got the cigar and they're like, yeah, hey, how's it going? Like, I hope <laughs> it's not like a super, because I'm trying to remember the tricks. I only watched it a couple of times. I hope they have those moments where, you know, like the welcome to earth and hits them in the face or, you know, like yeah. just those those little moments that are there to kind of make it more human. Like, you know, like, it, yeah. As long as they've got Jeff Goldblum in there, I think they'll be fine. And you know, he he did a <laughs> yeah. I no, trust I mean, him. Why do you okay? I trust him. I'm I'm not a I'm not a, a Jeff Goldblum like super fan, but I can say that anything that he's been in has been been pretty cool. He's made some interesting choices. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I just I also have an attachment to Jeff Goldblum because I've just watched my dad turn from looking like Jeff Goldblum to looking like John Lovitz over the years. <laughs> It's just always been fascinating to me. Wow. Yeah. So any Jeff Goldblum movie or John Lovitz movie, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> okay. My dad looks like the Frito Bandito. That is amazing. <laughs> he does. He really does. Does he have a hat every day? No, he's just Mexican. Oh. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say to the looters? Not really, man. I mean, we uh, we do what we can to try and 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 be as communicative as possible on our on our social channels and everything. I, I would say, um, these kind of things that we do, like the podcast and the video productions and everything, we know that we can do a better job of getting them out there. Um, and we're gonna we're working on that so that people kind of get more of a sense of the kind of content we're creating. Um, so there's like a semi apology for like, Hey, if you like come across something that we do and you're like, why didn't they tell me about this earlier and everything? It's, it's been a crazy, crazy wild ride. And so we'll get our sixth listener to the podcast and we'll just be like, what? Yeah. You tell me about this? <laughs> so we're going to do a better job of that. Um, which means we're going to be listening to more feedback about it and adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also means that, you know, if you're a looter and you're listening to the podcast and, or you come across one of our videos and everything, if you like it, you know, share it. It only takes a second. And if it's something that you think other people might enjoy, share it and get it out there so that people know about it and, and you know, so we can keep doing these things. And if you have feedback, we want to hear it, you know. And if you want to make some bold, you know, uh, suggestions of what we can do, there's plenty of places to be able to let us know. There's, you know, every survey we do at the end of every month has like an open-ended section where it's like, what else is on your mind? And there are people who read that and present on it and synthesize it, like have whole discussions about what's in there. Oh, yeah, we have whole meetings about that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we do all these events like PAX and Comic-Cons, like come up to us. Like we're not there to sell you. Yes, we have crates for sale and everything there, but we're there to also interact and meet with you. So if you see someone wearing a Loot Crate shirt and it says staff, don't worry is like do they work on videos do they do podcast stuff just say hey i'm a looter and i've got some feedback do you have like a couple of minutes i can talk to you and i guarantee you that person's going to be like absolutely let me give you a high five like blah blah blah, and then just listen you know so i would i would say that that's kind of my message to looters out there which is we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you you know, and more so than most companies, more so than companies that have come after us to try and emulate what we're doing, 
more so than companies that came before us that just had a different way of doing it. We really rely on the feedback and looters in order to, you know, continue to be able to be loot crate. And so every looter is loot crate. And so you have an obligation really, you know, in a sense to, to give us that feedback if you want to really make the service something that you want to continue to enjoy and get better and better. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining thank us today. You. No problem. Thanks, guys. And that is it for another invasive episode of the Lootcast. Thank you to Alex Steen and Adam Murray, who would definitely join the rebellion in an alien invasion scenario. Thanks also to Stenobot, who might be able to play some music to communicate with alien visitors and everyone who is listening. We will not allow the aliens to take you to their planet and cook you. No, that's terrible. That seems like a bad way to go. It Well... To serve man. Unless they give you really delicious food to fatten you up. I mean, I, I just want to be cooked alive, I think, is the thing. I don't, why would... They wouldn't do that. They might. You don't know aliens. Well, we could be like lobsters to them. Yeah, that's true. Good point, good point. But they're so pleasant. At, like, they're so nice and genial. You know, like, they're like, yeah. hi, we're fun. Here's a book. <laughs> because for some reason, we're going to give you a hint. That is like still my favorite Twilight Zone episode. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. Everybody go watch that if you haven't. To serve man, watch that. Yeah. So email us at lootcast at lootcrate.com with all of your alien sightings. Please do that. That would be amazing. Yeah. Weird pet names and geeky New Year's resolutions. We want to believe. I'm Ash. I'm Jenny. And this has been the Lootcast. <laughs>